We're continuing our Eats with Center series. Uh, this is a little different because normally I preach on something different, but I talked to Mark about it and I wanted to continue it so we don't have to do a little pause or interjection. I just wanted to be able to continue what we're doing and be able to just really focus in on this, uh, this idea of eating with sinners and the different topics that come from it. Put this down here so I don't knock it over because I'm clumsy. Uh, but let me grab my stool and I'm going to ask my volunteer if she'll come up here. And since I got surprised this morning about the lady I was going to talk about, she's sitting back there near the back, my grandma, and Miss Charlene, a lady from a church that's very dear, near and dear to my heart. They came to visit me this morning and surprised me, and I'm happy. Abby, if you'll come up here to my right. Thank you. Um, when I think about grace, what we're going to talk about today, the next chapter in the book, um, every, one thing that comes to mind is Sunday, me- Sunday meals after church or big family meals together on Christmas or Thanksgiving or something like that. And Grandma, before I would take a bite into the food or after I'd take a bite into the food, she said, have we said grace? Did somebody bless the food? Or Christopher, can you bless the food? Or Uncle Tommy, my uncle, can you bless the food? And I think of grace all the time when I hear that word. You know, obviously there's God's grace that's great and amazing, but I think of that. And that's what I really, really hit me hard in my brain. And I just couldn't stop thinking about it, so I decided to make this whole sermon kind of like a meal. And I'm going to get Grandma's approval, thumbs up or thumbs down, of me. Uh, Grandma, do you think I am dressed properly for a meal after church or a family meal? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Sure. Man, she is she has really gotten lenient, because I remember when I was younger, she would not be this lenient with me if I dressed like this. And Abby here, you think Abby's dressed well for a Sunday meal or going to church? Thumbs up, everybody. Everybody think Abby looks, looks better than I do? Yeah? Well, thank you, Abby, for wearing your Sunday best, as it's called, and I appreciate you coming up here, and I'm going to ask you to go ahead and sit down. Thank you, Abby. Give her a round of applause. She did great. Oh. And now, now I can take off this some of this stuff. I'm not going to completely do it, but I'm going to get to where I'm not lopsided anymore. And I'm not going to unroll my pants because it's going to take too long to do all that. So we're just going to deal with it like this. And I hope you have a little grace with me as we continue this sermon. But we're talking about grace. It's something that I always just thought of. I thought about meals because obviously you look at me, I haven't pushed too many plates away in my life. Um, But I think of grace. I think of praying before meals. I think of asking God to bless this food. Um, sometimes we pray for God to bless this Burger King to nourish our bodies, and I don't know how he's going to do that when he's probably giving me a weird look about this Burger King or this McDonald's or something. But we pray to God and ask him to bless this food. We say grace. We ask for him to bless these things and to let nourish our bodies. And, you know, I always struggle being clean as a kid or looking nice. Grandma can tell you I'd rather just show up in basketball shorts and a hoodie to most everything I go to because that's just how I feel. I like being comfortable. This is actually one of my favorite hoodies, my my little like matte rug looking hoodie is super comfortable, so I'm kind of happy to be wearing it right now. I'm in my happy place. I feel good. But I struggled with looking nice a lot of places. Grandma would buy me these nice outfits, um, you know, stuff that matched because I really stunk at matching, clothes, at matching clothes when I was a kid. I was not good at it. I'd wear like navy pants and like a bright yellow shirt, which didn't look right together or something like that. Or I'd wear an old ratty t-shirt with dress pants. You know, you name it, I didn't do it right because I was not good at it. But thankfully, I had a good grandma that looked after me and always kind of, you know, nudged me and, uh, you know, bought nice outfits for me to wear to church so I could look presentable. And now that I'm older, I see the need for that. Grandma showed me a lot of grace growing up. And I'm glad to have her here because, you know, I tell stories about her to the kids all the time. So now the kids can meet her after church and say, hey, because I know some of them want to for so long. And I'm so excited for that. 
Um, but when going over the topic of grace for the, le- the weeks leading up to this, all I could think about was the idea of a meal. I could think about sitting down together at a meal. And grace isn't something that we can just take in and take all in in one bite. It's something that we got to have a meal. we got to have a four-course meal over. And this is what we're going to do today. It's going to be like a four-course meal. I'm sorry I didn't actually prepare you food. Um, you probably wouldn't like my cooking anyways. But uh, not, you know, obviously not because I wouldn't push a plate away. That's why we're talking about food. But grace itself is so complex and so deep when we really look at the topic of grace in Scripture. It's something that we just can't have in one bite. It's something that we got to savor, something we got to mull over. It's like a fancy, if you ever go up to a fancy restaurant, you really want to enjoy the flavor. You really want to savor what you're taking in. You don't want to just have it in one bite. You don't want to just gobble up a filet mignon without even tasting it. I have friends that will do that. I've done it when I was younger. Now I've learned to savor my food and enjoy my food. But in today's message, we're going to do just that. We're going to savor this topic of grace. We're really going to mull over it. We're going to chew on it. And it's going to be a four-course meal, so sit down and get ready. Uh, and we're going to really appreciate grace after this. We're really going to get to know grace after this and really understand it. So let's get into the first course, our appetizer or salad, depending on how you want to do a four-course meal. I don't know. I'm not a fancy chef, so I don't know. But we're going to talk about what is grace. So I think that's a good appetizer going into what grace is um, for, for the first course. I would like to propose a question, and it is, what is grace? According to Webster's Dictionary, uh, the one that I always go to because it's the most popular, uh, grace is defined three different ways. Simple elegance or refined movement, courteous goodwill, or to do honor or credit to someone or something by one's presence. And after reading these definitions and just thinking about grace, I, I wasn't satisfied. I didn't think these three definitions really did grace justice because I've seen grace in a better context, in a more elaborate or elegant context. And these three definitions just don't don't do it for me. And I hope that they don't do it for you either. I hope we want to really dive deep into grace and what grace is. Uh, they, you know, I sit here and think about it. They really just don't do it justice. It really, it really makes me frustrated. Uh, we're going to read Zechariah 7.10 really quick and... Just follow along with me as I read it. Uh, Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot against or do not plot evil against one another. And let's follow this up with Isaiah 58, 6 through 7, where it says this. Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yokes, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When, have you see, when, I, when you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. These are just great Old Testament examples of grace and what we should do when we show grace, or the opposites. We shouldn't oppress the poor. We shouldn't oppress the hurting. We shouldn't oppress those that are doing without. Grace is reaching out to those people and showing them grace by clothing the, clothing the naked, as it says, helping the poor, helping the widows or, or widowers, um, that's something that I learned from my church leadership growing up. I had a lot of good elders and deacons at my home church that did that a lot. Um, I mentioned this group called the Carpenters Crew where they met at a meal and then I think once a month or once twice a month they went out and built wheelchair ramps or did service projects for people. And I got to go along with my friend Joey and our minister, Mr. Bob, to all these things. And that's grace. That's going out and helping the poor. That's going out and helping the needy, going out and helping the poor in spirit and the elderly. And these different things like that. 
It, these are great examples right here of what grace is that we read about in the Old Testament. They help set the tone for the rest of the things we're going to be seeing today. It's kind of like the flavoring or the seasoning for your appetizer. Like if you get wings, you know, it's like the buffalo sauce or, you know, you fill in the blank with the sauce you like for your appetizer or the mozzarella sticks with the, with the marinara sauce. You know, whatever you want to fill in the blank with. I don't know what you guys like for appetizers. I'm not going to try to guess. Uh, but whether we realize it or not, they're great examples of great reaching out to the hurting. Or the brokenhearted. I say this all the, all the time to the kids, and this applies to grace and showing grace as well. It doesn't require a grand gesture. We don't have to go raise $2.2 million right now in this parking lot for the poor. You can go hold a door open for somebody at a store, and that's a great example of loving your neighbor and showing grace to your neighbor. And just saying, hey, how you doing? Hey, God bless you. You can do just simple things like that, and the kids get annoyed with it because I say it all the time, but you can do simple things. You can go sit with the kid that's by themselves at lunch, or you can go see the old, older gentleman or older lady at, at a store by themselves or at a restaurant by themselves and ask, can you sit with them? Or just say, hey, hope your day's going good. It's simple things. We don't have to do giant, grand gestures. It doesn't have to be this giant fundraiser or this giant thing. It can be just something as simple as that. And Sorry, I lost my place. But grace itself... You know, we can do simple things, but grace itself is complex in nature. Uh, we can say that we know grace. We can say that we, we see grace, but we're going to go into understanding grace because we can just know it. Uh, in today's society, when talking about grace, uh, we lose our minds when our Amazon package is a day late when we pay for two-day shipping, right? Who here has ever gotten mad because your Amazon package has got here late? I know I have. I was like, I ain't going to lie. I've gotten mad about it. I've not been as graceful with the delivery people that drive it or the people that box it and ship, ship it out. But, you know, we lose our minds over stuff like that. Or maybe we weren't as patient with the young man or woman at the restaurant after church today or any day that you went to a restaurant after church. Maybe we weren't as patient. Maybe they were having a really bad day, but we just weren't patient with them. Because they're people too. They deserve grace as well. As someone who worked in the fast food industry growing up or restaurant industry, because I worked at a place called Golden Skillet, if you've ever been to Plymouth, uh, it's, it's a little old, little old, you know, uh, country food kind of thing, fried chicken, anything you think of, Miss Jerry, Jerry had it on the menu. Uh, some of the rudest people I ever ran into working at the restaurant were church people after a Sunday morning service. Isn't that crazy? We come here to talk about Jesus, talk about love, and talk about grace. But yet some of the rudest people I've ever ran into were people on a Sunday morning after church. It is, it is shameful. It is shameful. And I didn't realize it growing up about that kind of thing. But it's shameful that people after church go and fuss out these young men and young women. I know some of them don't want to work. I know some of it's tough. Some of them got to work. They got to earn extra money. But let's show a little grace and a little patience with them because I know I've been there. That's why I try to. There's, it's very rare that me and Kristen go out that I ever get impatient with somebody. I mean, like, <laughs> I, won't, I won't embarrass her, but it's, it's very rare that I ever really get impatient because I've been there. I've done that. I've seen stuff like that, working at that place, Golden Skill, I was telling you about. I've had people show me grace, so I realized it was important to show grace to others. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John 8, 2 through 11, it'll be on the screen. I'm going to read that in just a second, but... Go ahead and turn there if you want to turn. You know, this is, our, this is our weapon. This is our sword. We should practice using our sword more often. So that's what I encourage people to do. Get in your Bibles. Use, use the sword. Use the weapon that God's given you. Uh, so turn to John 8, 2 through 11 real quick. I got to turn there myself. I lost my bookmark, so I got to find it myself. Uh, uh, there we go. All right. 
And to get in, before I get into reading that scripture, uh, you know, we live in a society today continuing on stuff. I told you I was going to knock it over. I'm just clumsy and forget where things are. But we live in a society that has no idea what the term grace even means. We can look it up on Webster and Google and know a definition, but we have no idea what grace really is. We, have, we don't know what grace really is. Uh, that doesn't show grace, just a definition or just somebody telling you what they think it means. That doesn't show what grace is. We can't see the full picture. That's why I got a little upset personally because I felt like it didn't do grace justice reading those definitions. It didn't do things justice with that. Uh, when studying, I came across this passage, John 8, 2 through 11, and I think this is a great example of grace and Christ showing grace and following his example. So let's read that real quick. And it says this. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women such women sorry now what do you say they were using this question as a trap in order to have a bot or a basis for accusing him but jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger what a weird response to this and then it says when they when they kept trying when they kept on questioning him he straightened up and said to them let any one of you who is without sin throw the first stone I'd, I'd have been baffled at that one. I, I wouldn't have known how to react to that. And, it, you know, we read here in just the next couple of verses that they didn't either. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus could have easily gave in to what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were saying and just stoned that woman for the crime that she had committed, adultery, a terrible act in that time, and, you know, still not a good act now, but something that, you know, was, was you know, a cause of death. People would stone them. People would stone them to death for that. Jesus did something different, though. If we didn't have a clue what grace is or didn't know grace, this is it right here. This is it. Jesus showed grace to this woman that did not deserve an ounce of it. Went against everything the Pharisees and the teachers of the law thought were right. From the law of Moses through the Old Testament times. Went against everything because of grace. He went against what they were trying to trap him with and what they were trying to uh, put him down with. Did Jesus tell her to keep on sinning and just go on and do whatever because that, there's grace? No. No. She. You read in the end, it says... It says, go and leave your life of sin. No. The difference is with grace, he saw the woman as she was. Not as what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were trying to accuse her of and trying to stone her for and condemn her for. Jesus saw a woman that was hurting, trapped in sin, and needed grace. That's, that's not how society and the Pharisees labeled her, though. They labeled her as uh, good as dead. They were going to stone her if they got the chance. But Jesus did something so different. He said, whoever's without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. First stone. Whoever's without it, go ahead and throw it. Go ahead, you can be the first one. And they all walked away. Jesus accepted the woman as she was. Because that's what grace is. He didn't expect her to go get completely cleaned up and change her life before she came to him. 
No, he saw her in the rough patch, in the tough patch, in the patch that most people would turn her away and would not accept her. No matter how battered or bruised this world leaves you or has left you, Jesus is right there waiting, just like he was for that woman. He's right there waiting for us to come to him as we are. What comes next is the change. The grace is what allows us to come to Jesus and be with Jesus, just like that woman. And then he encouraged her to go and leave her life of sin and change her forever. It's good to know grace. It's good to see this and to know it and see and have an example of it. But do we really understand it? In our next course that we're moving on to, we're going to go into that. And the question is, do we understand grace? Because it's one thing to know something. You can know a definition. I can go on Facebook and know a bunch of people's political views, but I don't understand why they have them because you can't really get that from a Facebook post or a tweet or an Instagram post. I can go know somebody's at the beach from an Instagram post, from a picture they post of a nice beautiful sunset on the beach or water and all that stuff, but I don't understand why they're there. I don't know if they're on vacation. I don't understand. You know, you can know one thing, but do you really understand? And those are just menial things, but I want you to mull over that question. Do we understand grace? Really chew on it since we're on the topic of food. Really chew on this. Do I understand grace? Do we understand grace? You know, like I said, Webster may say something. What it, You might see a picture of what it looks like or have an idea of maybe what it's like. But to understand something, it requires true comprehension. It means studying. It, it means watching. It means learning. Um, you know, I could know how people in the Olympics do the curling. I could know all the stuff that they use, like the little brush they use or squeegee. I can't tell what it is, to be honest. This is why I'm using this one, because I have no idea and don't understand the sport. But I don't understand the ins and outs of the sport because, I mean, those people are impressive. I don't know how they get those giant little slabs of stone to just come to a complete stop exactly where they want it. I don't understand that. I don't, I don't understand that. I know that they do it, but I don't understand how they do it. You know, I can know how somebody made this amazing-looking meatloaf in a video on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, those kinds of things are on YouTube. But I don't really understand all the work that it took them to de develop that recipe, to develop their craft and to develop this beautiful dish that they've made. See, I went back to food. We're going to keep things on food, um, mostly because I'm starting to get hungry from this breakfast. Uh, but, but this is true of grace. A lot of people know what grace is or have a, a general idea, but they absolutely have no understanding. They have zero understanding of what exactly it is. And let's take a few a look at a few passages, just short ones, and I'll read them in Scripture. And if you want to write them down in your notes for later, go ahead. Uh, the first one's going to be Isaiah 42, 2 through 3, where it says this. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed will he, he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. You know, Isaiah is the book of Messianic prophecy. A lot of the stuff in this book is talking about the coming Messiah. And this is talking about Jesus. If you think about this, Jesus was kind. He was gentle. He was graceful. He showed grace to everybody. He ate with the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, all these people that society deemed unworthy. He had grace, and he met those people where they are because of grace. Let's read Amos 5.12. That's how I read it, but um, you can pronounce it however it is. Uh, for I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. 
the opposite of grace, the opposite of Jesus right there. People that oppress the poor, oppress the hurting, people that deny people the truth, people that just, you know, hurt the innocent. We're going to read one more in Luke 14, 12 through 14, where it says this. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or the rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and all, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of righteousness. Don't have banquets for your brothers or sisters, Jesus is saying. Don't have banquets for these people. They can repay you. They can invite you back to dinner at any time. I could uh, carry my grandma out to dinner or to lunch anytime I want to and, you know, carry out... And I know at some point or another she's going to want to carry me out to lunch because we always do it when I go home. Or she'll make me lunch. She'll make me something nice. You know, and she'll repay me. But doing stuff for the people that are, unfort- that are in unfortunate circumstances or are poor. I think about a missions trip I took when I was 12. I guess in my old age my memory's starting to get to me. Uh, or not, not, not coming to me as fast. Uh, but I remember when I was 12, we went on a missions trip to Johnson City, Tennessee. We stayed at Milligan College or Milligan University, I'm sorry Milligan if you're for some reason watching this, I have your hoodie, so I, I do love you Milligan, but anyways, uh, I went to a mission trip there, the one thing I remember from that mission trip, I don't remember hardly anything else we did other than we worked on this lady's house and we helped make this lady's house really nice, but the one thing that stuck with me is I went and we went to Dairy Queen, and I really enjoy Dairy Queen, I love a good blizzard and I love like the chicken tenders from there and all that stuff, and I got my meal, we went there as a group after one day of working really hard, and it was I was really hot, really sweaty. I'd order my food, and I was going to go back and get a blizzard afterwards with some of the money I'd earned from working or my grandma gave me or family gave me. And I only had enough for just that blizzard that night. I'd left the rest of, at, my, at my room. I had just enough for that blizzard or a value meal because this is where we're going to go. This guy comes up to me. I don't know why he came up to me out of all the people, but he said, hey, man, I've, I'm really having a rough time. Um, and my youth minister came over, obviously, when he saw a strange man come over, talk to me, he came over, and we prayed for this man because he was hungry. He was, he was down on his luck. He'd been kicked out of his house. Um, he was broke as a joke. I mean, like, he just, he was having a rough day. Like, I mean, this was a bad day to set all bad days for everything he told me. And like I said, my memory ain't really holding up exactly everything he told me. But my youth minister asked me what I wanted to do. Did I want to buy my blizzard or did I want to buy him food? My youth minister, Oz, was going to buy him food regardless, but I saw an opportunity there. I was like, this is what people have been telling me all the time, showing grace to people, doing good for people, helping people when they're hurting or oppressed or um, in a bad, bad situation. So I spent my money on that. I sacrificed my blizzard that night as a kid. That was a big sacrifice for me as a kid because I really like blizzards. I really enjoy, enjoy them. Obviously, you can see from the gut, I love ice cream. But, um, you know, as a kid, that was big, that was big for me. And I don't know what happened to that man after that. We prayed for him, and we, we told him, you know, Jesus loves you. We're praying for you right now. Let's buy you something to eat. And Otis recommended some churches in town that he had heard of because we went and worshipped at one of the churches in town. He recommended some churches to go to, to reach out to. And I don't know what happened to that man after that, but that was one of the moments as a young kid that I felt like I really understood what Jesus, what Jesus meant with grace or how Jesus showed grace or how Jesus loved people that were lost and hurting and showed this grace to him. That was one moment when I was a kid. I really felt it. And it wasn't something huge or gigantic. Like, that's why I tell the kids that all the time. Because I bought, I got a value meal at Dairy Queen. Like, I mean, that's like $5. That's not, it's not a lot. I mean, at least, at least it's not a lot now. Inflation's killer. But, um, you know, it wasn't much. I got to show grace for 
for just giving up my $5 for my blizzard. I got to show grace to a man that needed it. I got to show love. I got to show Jesus to a man that needed it, that needed a little grace, needed a little a little pick-me-up after a pretty rough time because I do remember that he was, having, he was having a pretty rough spell. But these verses that we read shows uh, Jesus, shows a description of the Messiah, and then we read in the New Testament what he does. And wrapping all these words up, uh, words up straight from Christ of how we take on our day-to-day walk with grace. These, that's the point of these verses, how we take on our day-to-day walk, how we really understand grace, how we walk with grace. Because if Jesus is grace, if Jesus is compassion, all these things, then we need to walk with that daily. We need to walk with that grace and be graceful. That means if you leave here and you go to Culver's or wherever, I want you guys to understand this grace that that kid at the register is probably having a bad day. That young man or young lady is probably having a bad day too. Um, or, you know, they probably have had a rough day and we can wait four or five extra minutes or ten or however long it is. I know at some point you do need to say, hey, my food's late. And, you know, there is a point of that. But we don't need to take it out on these kids that are working the cash register or, um, you know, you fill in the blank with whoever might fall into that category. But let's show some grace to them. That's a really easy thing to show that you understand grace. You can go right to the restaurant you're going to and show grace to that cashier because they probably just had somebody rip into them from another order. So let's, let's show a little grace to them. Let's, let's show a little love. People should be res- reflecting this grace from God on our day-to-day walk. People that are in the church, people that are, you know, Christians or say that they're Christians, we should be reflecting this grace. We should be living out this grace because we're supposed to be following Christ's example. We see many times in Scripture where it says to follow Christ's example or to follow uh, God's example that he set for us. We're not going to get it right all the time. I promise you there have been times where I've not been very graceful or I've not been very loving. And I'll be honest about that. We all can probably think of a time like that. But we need to try every single day. We need to keep working our craft. Like with a meal, how people work on these wonderful recipes. Um, like Miss Evie made some cupcakes for us the other day that I, I, might, I might have stole one from Kristen's little thing. It was pretty good. Uh, she's really good at her craft of making some cupcakes. And she probably has worked on that really hard. And I thank her for that. I'm sorry to embarrass you or call you out. But it was really good. And that's what came to mind when we are thinking about this. But th- this should be something we should practice. Like working on a recipe or doing different things like that. Uh, but when people show up at the door, we should be ready to do this. We should have been walking with this enough that when people show up to the door, like with the CR program we have that are hurting, uh, that have heartbreaks and hang-ups, and, you know, I get, the, I get the phrase wrong all the time, so I'm sorry, CR folks, if I got that wrong. But we should be ready to show grace to those people. Even the people that are in the Bible study right now, if you see them walk up for something, we should be just asking how they're doing. You know, it doesn't have to be anything grand or anything like that, but be a friendly face. Be somebody that shows grace. But the sad thing is there are people in the church today or people that say they're in the church today that I read about in this book and that I've seen in the news and all these different things that it breaks my heart. Because I read from the Eastwood Center's book, and if you haven't read it, you should read it. It's a really good book, and I'm still reading it. Um, I think I'm on chapter 5 right now, but I'm not sure exactly. But reading through Grace, um, Aaron Chambers write, writes about a church that I won't speak their name or location or anything like that because I, I don't... Slander, slander people like that that's below me to do that but um, there, this church went to funerals of Iraq, Iraq veterans young men and women that died serving overseas in Iraq and because of the condition of our country they held up signs at these people's funerals where mom and dads were mourning the loss of their son or daughter they held up signs that said God hates you you're going to hell you're going to burn 
at people's funerals. It's sickening. The same thing happens at different places like that. Um, I had a conversation not too long ago, I think it was with Brian, where he saw somebody holding up signs like that somewhere else. I can't remember exactly what it was, but people holding up signs that God hates you. You're going to burn. You're going to hell. That's not the message God's trying to say. Yes, God is a God that we should fear and revere because he is powerful and he is omnipotent. He is all these things, but he's also a God of love and a God of grace. And we are not the ones that will judge and condemn. And it makes me sick that people have this. People have this, the ultimate example of grace and God's knowledge. And they use it against people that they're uncomfortable with. They use hateful speech and terrible things to make God look like some giant bully. And I can guarantee you God is not some giant bully that sits up there waiting to, waiting to belittle or hurt somebody or put somebody down. Yes, God detests sin. But that doesn't mean that we heinously condemn the people around us because that's the that's the exact opposite of what i'm trying to talk about today grace is the opposite of that grace is loving people through the tough times there's gonna be tough times with this cr program that people are gonna come in here hurting and the world's beat them up battered them up bruised them up and they're gonna have rough edges they're gonna lash out and i promise people stink you know working with people and talking to people people can stink sometimes they're really rough they'll lash out on you they'll say hurtful things i mean they might even punch you they might bite you. I know one time in a church I was working at in D.C., a kid bit me on the arm. <laughs> Had to show a lot of grace there because it really upset me. And he, he almost took a chunk out of my arm. But I had to show a lot of grace there because my reaction is just like my fist was balled up, ready to go. But I had to show some grace. That kid was scared. That kid was upset. And that was just his reaction. So I had to learn a little patience and learn a little grace that day. So there's me sharing where it was with, with that. But we do not need to spread this message of hate. We need to start spreading a little grace. We need to follow Jesus' example where we don't encourage people to go right back into a life of sin because there's a bunch of grace available. We need to encourage them to turn from that life of sin and show them grace as they continue to grow. Somebody that chooses to follow Jesus and is baptized as a believer, they're born again. They're a spiritual baby. They need time to grow. They're not going to get it right the moment that they're baptized. I know I didn't. I mean, we can all say that we probably hadn't got it right every single time, and somebody has had some grace with us. I think of a guy named Bob Moulton that I mentioned multiple times, that as hard-headed and ignorant as I could be, and as tough as I could be, he still loved me through a lot of that tough time. My grandma back there loved me through a lot of tough times. She could tell you right now, I probably gave her a bunch of headaches with all the dumb stuff I used to do, but my grandma showed me more grace than probably anybody in this room will, because I, I just know that's who she is. She loves me that much, and I'm thankful for my grandma. But we're going to... We're going to move forward, and we're going to read in Luke 9, 51 through 56. If you want to turn there, if not, it'll be on the screen. But if you want to turn there in your Bibles and get it for yourself or write it in your notes, you got a second. Let me see. Find that verse. Well, now I'm having difficulty finding it. Oop, Luke 9, not Luke 5, sorry. This read my own notes. Maybe I said it right. Who knows? Luke 9, 51 through 56. Nope. All right. And it says this. Let's get to it. Whoop. There we go. As time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem and sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because... He was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then 
Then he and his disciples went to another village. The people that followed Jesus every single day didn't get it right. I mean, they're right there with him. I mean, you can't ask for more. I would say, we got the Bible, we got God's word, but they were right there with the word in flesh. They were right there with Jesus, the one that lives out all these things that we're supposed to be practicing. The one that's perfect, the one that gets it right. They were right there with him. Don't you think they shouldn't have, they shouldn't have reacted that way just because somebody did, showed them some unkindness? Like I said, people stink sometimes. When they show you unkindness, they'll lash out. They're, they won't welcome you or they might not make you feel as welcome as you want. But these guys should have got it. It's crazy that they didn't get grace. They wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy a village just because they didn't welcome them. It's so silly. It's so ridiculous. We can know grace all day long. But until we make a genuine effort to truly understand it, nothing's going to change. We got to do better, church. We got to do better. We got to do better. We got to get out there and do better. Uh, we have examples of grace. We have to be examples of grace in our daily walks. The disciples should have done better and should have known better. And that's why Jesus rebuked them because he, you should have known better. You're right here following me. Well, we're right here with this. We're right here with God's word. We need to do better, church. And that's a general call out for everybody. It's a call out for me because I need to do better. I always say in my sermons, like, I'm preaching to myself right now. And I need to do better. We need to do better. Take this opportunity to read through the Gospels. Read through Jesus' life. You will see grace in every single example that he reaches out to people. He has shown grace in so many different ways to so many different people through the Gospels and these brief accounts that people have of his life and this awesome ministry he had. Uh, he did, you know, he interacted with the lost. He did not encourage them to continue in sin, but he did accept people as they are. I think there's a, a worship song that says, Come as you are. Um, and I think of that all the time when I think of Jesus, just come as you are. Because I came as to him as, a, as an addict, as a person that's messed up, as a person that you know, has lied to people, has stole and done all this stuff. I came to him as I was. And I, I give a lot of credit to that lady sitting there in blue because uh, she encouraged me all the time. And I'm so thankful for her. And every time I pray and thank God for where I'm at, I always think of Grandma because she's always looked after me. And I'm picking on her because she's here today. I'd still say this stuff if she wasn't here. But, um, but I'm picking on her. So, but with that being said, some things that we can think about. Uh, you know, the disciples wanted to call down fire. Uh, you know, it makes as much sense as us wanting to call down fire on a restaurant uh, because they didn't have Chick-fil-A levels of polite. Um, it's, it's like us saying, oh, I, wanna, I want God to send down fire on Culver's because they didn't get me my food or my sauce. Uh, as fast as Chick-fil-A would and aren't as polite as Chick-fil-A is. Um, and I'm picking on Culver's right now because that's where I'm thinking about eating. So it's really, it's really, it's really getting right now. Uh, but uh, let's, like I said, let's take, this let's take this opportunity to read through the Gospels. I encourage you to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is where you will find God's grace. You will see Jesus Christ showing grace to everybody he interacted with. I can, I can tell you multiple accounts. Jesus said, go and sin no more. But he met that person where they were. He healed the lepers. He ate, he ate with the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners, the people that society outcast because he showed grace to them. So let's read through that example. I challenge you that. If I'm going to give you one challenge, I want you to read through the Gospels. This week. Read, read through some of it. Uh, if you can make it through it in one week, you, you're an amazing reader because there's a lot to take in. But just try a chapter in a day. But... All right, it's time, it's time for the third course. We had like the super salad or whatever comes after the appetizers. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a chef. Um, but we're moving into third course because if we know grace and we understand grace, then I'm going to let you in on something. Grace is not uniform. It is not neat. It is not tidy. It is a mess. 
And there's a book by Caleb Kaltenbach called Messy Grace. And it's about reaching the lost, reaching different communities. It focuses on one particular people group to help out that. But it's about reaching the lost and realizing there's going to be a mess when we reach the lost. It is not going to be something that's really easy. Um, I, I did a sermon four years ago now called Rekindle Your Fire. And it talked about building a fire and how you, when you build your fire, you have to get your hands dirty. The same is true with grace. You're going to have to get your hands dirty. Uh, literally and figuratively, you're going to have to get your hands dirty sometimes. Like with that carpenter's crew group that I went with. I, did, I dug many a post hole for uh, stuff like that or helped dig holes for different things like that. I got dirty. Um, I had to do stuff like that. And then there were times where I had to deal with somebody that was having a bad day. And that's where you get figuratively messy. Uh, is when somebody's having a rough day or you had to take certain things and all like that. Uh, but thinking of this one, I think about when I was a kid. And I was a really messy eater when I was a kid. I'd always do this. I'd eat like something with barbecue sauce or something like that or have fried chicken or something with grandma. And I'd do this. And grandma always told me, don't wipe my hands on my pants. But I'd do like that. I'd wipe that on my pants to get my pants dirty. And I was so bad for it. I was really bad for doing that. Um, I'd, ruin, I'd ruin pants or get grease stains on pants that would have to be washed out later. Uh, that grandma had just bought me the week before or something like that. Or mama just bought me the week before. Uh, but, you know, I was a kid kids are messy but uh with this course grace you know it's like i said grace is a uniform it's a mess so we're going to prepare for the mess grace reaches people in the mess of things it doesn't expect them to come here to church already cleaned up ready to go we're going to go out there and reach people in a mess or they're going to come here in a mess spiritually uh figuratively i mean you might have people come in ratty clothes um something that i want i want y'all to think about right now Kristen actually has an opportunity for us to, as a church to do something. I talked to Mr. Joe and Mr. Steve about this, but she is gathering clothes and hygiene supplies for kids at B.O. Barnes, and she's going to have the information out, I think probably this Wednesday or something. She gave me the sheet to print out, so we'll have the information out to you. But this is an opportunity right here of reaching people in a mess. There are so many of these kids right now, they're in such a mess, that are starving for attention, starving for love, starving for grace, starving for these things. I went in there for 30 minutes, and it was almost like you had to pull me out of there because those kids just wanted to talk to somebody. They need grace. This is a way we can show them grace. We can reach out. I, I could go up there and bring those clothes to Kristen if we raised up some clothes, and we'll have a list if you're interested in doing it. But this is something right here. This is an easy, practical way to show some grace and love to people in a, in a rough situation because a lot of those kids are in a rough situation. And I won't share much more because it's not my right to share it, but, um, but it, it'd be an awesome experience to show some grace to some kids that really need it. But grace doesn't care what you've been through what you look like, uh, whether you wear ratty clothes to church or whether you wear your Sunday best, whether you look like a goofball up here with your pants rolled up and you're wearing two different shoes and weird glasses. It doesn't care what you look like. God's grace just doesn't care. It accepts people as they are. There's going to be a change, but people are going to come here in a mess. Are we going to find people in a mess? Because I encourage you to get out of these four walls and go find people in a mess and go reach them. Um, I encourage you to do that. And the scripture we're about to read for this one, I got one more example from the Gospels, and it's in Luke 10, starting in verse 25. If you want to go there in your Bibles, if not, we have it up here on the screen, and you can follow behind. And it says this, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And 
Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and saw the man. he saw the man. He passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and for any of y'all that don't know, Samaritans and Jews did not get along. I mean, they were like the Hatfields and the McCoys, kind of, if I had to use like a modern, not modern day reference, that's a little dated reference, but the Hatfields and McCoys, they did not get along. They were not happy with one another. Um, but as he traveled, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, two days' wages, two hard days' work worth of wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. The one that had mercy, the one that showed grace to him in a tough situation, the one that found him in a mess, and the priest and the Levite, the people that are supposed to help him, stepped over and walked away from him. A Samaritan, somebody that did not get along with his people, that had no reason to help him. Um, he never did anything for him. He, probably, he never knew him. And in this story, Jesus said the Samaritan, the one that was supposed to hate him, the one that was supposed to just walk away like the other two, showed him mercy, showed him grace, picked him up in a tough time. And this is grace. If, if I did just leave it here, this is grace right here. Showing somebody mercy who fell to the hands of robbers who fell into a tough time, found him in the mess of things, found him as a mess, I mean a literal mess, not even just a figurative mess, but he was a literal mess. Like he was beaten near death. And this man took him, put him on his own donkey, and spent two days worth of his own working wages to take care of him and said, I'll pay you for anything extra if you have to do anything more. That's showing grace. That's showing mercy. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. That is going above and beyond. That's what grace is. Grace is not something we can take care of uh, in just an hour on a random afternoon or in an hour, hour and a half here at church. On Sundays and Wednesdays, it's something that's going to require more. You're going to have to get out more than just on church on church days or on service project days. It's going to require us going out there into our community and finding people that are starving for God's grace and love. There are people out there starving for it that need it. They need to get in here and take a bite of this meal that we're on right now. They need to be here. Jesus approached the mess without hesitation. We should be doing the same thing. He approached the mess without hesitation. I mean, he's... Grace isn't going to be easy. And Jesus never promises us it's going to be easy. He, he never promises anything's going to be easy. People are rude. People say hurtful things. They lash out. They make poor choices and can just be the worst. I mean, like, I mean, people can just be the worst. That is why we had to prepare for the mess. Because I know we were all a mess before Jesus. I know I was. I was a mess before I found Jesus. I know we were all a mess before we found Jesus. We didn't have Jesus. We were all a mess. And that leads into dessert, or the final course that's going to be really short. This is going to be our conclusion, where grace requires action. Now that we know it's a mess, and that it's not uniform, it's not going to be something we can take care of in just an hour, 
it requires action. And that should have been a given from what I've been reading. It requires action on our part. It requires us to be active, be proactive. Not sit here on a Sunday or Wednesday and wait for somebody to fall into our laps. Not wait for it. Go out there. Reach somebody. Bring them back to church. Show them where you, tell them where you worship. Tell them about Jesus, more importantly. Tell them about Jesus and then say, hey, I worship here at Stony Brook. You should come here. Uh, if you're struggling with something, we have a CR program that helps with that kind of stuff. Uh, one, ver- or one set of verses that comes to mind is just four verses that we all should know. And this, you know, if there's going to be a, a real challenge of this, I want you guys to follow this. Not my words, but Jesus' words here in, in uh, Matthew 28, uh, 16 through 20, where it says this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in, earth, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the challenge is that. Uh, if you want it simplified, get up and go out. That's with everything with this Eastwood Center series. I don't care if you're young, you're old, whatever. You can still tell somebody about Jesus. That's my challenge right here. You can still tell somebody about Jesus. We all have to get motivated. We all have to be a self-starter. We all can't wait for somebody to start the, start the motor for us. We have to be a self-starter. This verse right, these verses right here require us to be a self-starter. We have to get up and go do something. It's not saying, Chris, go out and make disciples. It's not saying, Mark. It's not saying, Steve. It's not saying, Kristen. It's not saying, Brian. It's not saying, you know, fill in the name. But it's not saying just that person says, go out. It doesn't specify. He's talking to those disciples, but it also means us. We need to go out and make disciples. We need to go out and do things. We need to go out and reach the lost and be there. If it requires waking up early on Sunday mornings to go pick somebody up for church, do it. Go do it. Get up early, go pick them up. You'd rather be here than somewhere else, right? Let's go show them a little grace. Let's get out there and show them. Let's walk it. Let's walk it out. Let's lead by example with grace. Let's be something more. I challenge you to get up and go out. Jesus does not call us to sit in a building anytime we want to talk about him. He calls us to go out and make disciples. Bring them back here. Let's get them right. Let's bring them back home. This is our home base. Let's go out and get them, bring them back. Let's corral them. You know, there's a community that's so focused on self-centered culture, revenge, hurt, and blinded by sin that they're starving for God's love and grace. And they're starving for Jesus Christ. They just don't know it. They don't know what's going to fill that void in their life. There are people out there starving. And what's going to fill it is God's grace and God's love. That is what's going to fill it. So if I challenge you anything, I challenge you to remember these verses right here in Matthew. And I challenge you to get up and go out with anything that Mark talks about later with the coming chapters of the different things. It's a great book and it's a great way to get reminded of how we need to go out and reach people. And it's, a, it's just good for me, honestly. I feel great about it. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. What are we going to do? What are we waiting for? And how are we going to show grace starting today? Not starting tomorrow, but starting today. Let me pray with y'all as the band comes up. So let's pray real quick. God, thank you for today. And thank you so much for grace. And thank you for your grace. We don't deserve it. Uh, I pray that we learn to walk with it and grow and just uh, follow your word and follow your example and follow your commands and go out and make disciples as you call us to do in Matthew. And we thank you so much for your son. It's his name I pray. Amen.